Well, today, as we wrap up this teaching called Thanks and Giving, it's the idea that, that gratitude and giving go hand in hand, that when we're grateful, we become more generous. And so we looked at it from a, a bunch of different angles. Week one, Pastor Chuck and I tag teamed and we talked about what happens when you're generous. We talked about the sort of the results on the other side. We got to celebrate, just like Shine, we got to celebrate so many things that God has done in and through you because of your generosity. In fact, we sent out a letter this week just to give you some bullet point reminders of how good God has been. And then in week two, Pastor Chuck came back and invited us into a gracious lifestyle that sometimes when we get into the holidays, graciousness goes out the door. We, it should be a giving time and an awesome time, but we get so stressed out that we lose that graciousness. So week two is all about that. Last week, we tag teamed again and we talked about the fruit of the Spirit in our life. What does it look like when we allow the Holy Spirit to work inside of us? And so today, I wanna to wrap up by talking about one of the greatest gifts that I think any one of us can give this season. And let me give you a little sort of background before I tell you what it is. The background behind this is two weeks ago, uh, Laura and I traveled to the Dominican Republic with Compassion International. Now, many of you know Compassion because many of you are partners or you're sponsors with it. But if you're not familiar, Compassion is a uh, ministry partner that we have as a church that is involved in over 25 different countries. And their goal is to eradicate poverty in the name of Jesus. And so they are involved in so many communities around the world. It just happened that we went to the Dominican to see what they do, but they're involved around the globe. And so we went with a group of about 20 or so other pastors just to see the work, to introduce those other pastors to the work. And so about six years ago was when I first engaged, our church first partnered with Compassion. We had what we call Compassion Sunday, where literally 500 or so kids were rescued from poverty because of you guys. And many of you have continued with that commitment. And then three years ago, we did that again. And so we've got a lot of kids that you've rescued. And so we went to the Dominican. And while we were there, I got to meet Darrison, who is the kid that Laura and I have been sponsoring for the last five years. So check him out. He's a little heartbreaker there. Uh, he's a lot of fun. In fact, while we were there, we got to celebrate his 10th birthday, which is pretty amazing. And so if you sponsor a kid through Compassion, or through another organization, please write them a letter over the holidays. And if you uh, sponsor one in the Dominican, get ready, get your passport up to date because I want to take you with me next time so you can meet your kid. It's, it, it is unbelievable. But what happens when you go on trips like this is uh, one of the conversations we had all week long was this idea of poverty. And so when you go to the Dominican and you leave the airport, you leave sort of the resort areas, you see material poverty. Uh, extreme poverty is defined in a lot of different ways, but the definition that most people land on is extreme poverty is when you have to live on less than a dollar and 90 cents per week. Now let that sink in for a minute, less than a dollar and 90 cents per week. And so that creates all kinds of issues. That creates all kinds of problems. Of course, one of the problems seems like a basic one, it, but it's the problem of having clean water. I mean, literally some of the communities we went to in the Dominican Republic, families are making a decision. Do I buy clean water for $1.50 knowing that I only have $1.90 to live on this week? And so many families are having to choose not to get clean water. And so when you use tap water that is not filtered, that is not safe, you end up kids that are constantly sick that just can't be well. And so this is a big deal. 
And so whenever you go somewhere else around the world or even parts of our own country, you see that there is material poverty. But one of the other parts of the conversation we talked about is that material poverty is not all there is. In fact, another kind of poverty is what we actually call spiritual poverty. Did you know that you can, you can have all the wealth in the world, you can have a lot of stuff, but still be bankrupt spiritually and have no hope? So there's not just material or financial poverty, there's spiritual poverty. A third one is actually educational poverty. Educational poverty. This is one of the reasons why we partner so strongly with Path Project in our own community. And this is why this is a core part of what Compassion does as well, is they realize that education is a big deal. Can you imagine eradicating the dropout rate in our community and what a difference that would make over the long haul? If you look at stats, just that one stat of eradicating dropout from high school, it changes the course of somebody's life. And so there's uh, financial poverty, there's spiritual poverty, there's educational poverty. But what I realize as well is that there's a fourth kind of poverty and it's called relational poverty. This is one of the eye-opening things and why I think everybody ought to go overseas at least once on a mission trip is you could be standing in the slums where there's sewage coming right down beside you and you could see financial poverty, you could see educational poverty, you could see all these other forms of poverty, but yet you see smiles on their faces, you see the love that they have because they get this. And I think this is one of the biggest areas in our lives here in the United States that we live with is on the outside we might have it together but relationally we feel empty and so maybe going into this week where we're spending holidays and we're spending time with people maybe instead of getting stressed out about what's on the Christmas list how many of you have already sent the text hey what do you want this year my mom sent that this week she's like what do y'all want I was like we don't need anything we don't need anything but I need some ideas right instead of getting stressed out and trying to figure out if Amazon Prime can get it there in time can I get an amen on that do any of y'all have all those boxes showing up week after, right? Maybe the thing that that person in your life needs is not another Amazon Prime box. That hurts me even just to say it. <laughs> Maybe the thing that you could give is not more money. It's not more stuff. It's not something that Amazon can ship. Maybe the greatest thing that you could give is not something but someone that you would give of yourself. Relational poverty is all around us. I mean, th this is how you could have 700 friends on your Facebook friends list and yet not be able to name the top three or four people you could turn to in a moment's notice. This is how you could work inside of a, a crowded office space and still feel like nobody knows you. Loneliness is when you're a stay-at-home mom and even though you're around awesome kids all day long, you feel like nobody really gets you. This is how you could be in a dysfunctional marriage for years and feel like, man, I'm married, but I'm not known. I don't have somebody in the trenches with me. That's how you could be in a crowded room and still feel isolated. I don't know if you realize this or not, but the last time I looked at stats, the stats were that the number of suicides that happen between Thanksgiving and Christmas are the same number as those that would happen the rest of the year. In other words, it is ramped up over the holidays, not because of financial poverty, not because of educational poverty, not even because of spiritual poverty, but because of this relational vacuum in our lives. And so I wanna encourage you today, as we wrap up thanks and giving, maybe the greatest thing that we could give is not something, but someone that we could give 
of ourselves. So let me pray for us. And then if you're a note taker, this is gonna be for you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go fast and give you some notes. Is that cool? Let's pray together as we do that. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for the gift of today. Lord, I pray that you would help us to have eyes to see the lonely people in our lives. God, would you help us to even know the ones two or three seats down from us? Help us to know the ones in our neighborhood. Help us to know the ones even in our families. Help us to be sensitive to those that have lost their husbands, their wives, their friends. Help us to be open to the teenager that man just feels alone. God, would you help us to see and have a heart that wants to reach out? And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Jesus models the best way to give of ourselves. So I wanna give you three sort of snapshots, three simple ideas. These aren't deep. These are, nobody's gonna walk away and be like, man, that's the deepest message I've ever heard. But my hope is it'll be practical that this week will be different because of today, that this month would be different. And literally we would change the way that we think about giving of ourselves. And the first way that we see in the life of Jesus that Jesus gave of himself is number one, if you're a note taker, he gave through the gift of touch. He gave through the gift of touch. Now I'll make the caveat, because I heard some snickering in the first hour. This is not a marriage message, so we'll talk about that at a different time. <laughs> I heard the snickering 9.30, I was like, I, I need to remember, I need to run it through the middle school filter when I write these points. But giving through the gift of touch. One of these examples is found in Matthew chapter eight. There's a lot of great examples, but in Matthew chapter eight, it says large crowds followed Jesus. So think about this. Jesus is going from place to place, from city to city, and all these people kept showing up. All these people wanted to be near him. Now, one of the temptations is when we're around people, a lot of the time is instead of seeing individuals, we just start seeing clumps of people. Right? Instead of seeing faces, you just see crowds. And that would have been easy for Jesus to do. Jesus was around a lot of people a lot of the time. It would have been easy just to write them off, but he doesn't do that. Listen to what happens in verse two. So suddenly, so this isn't part of the game plan. This isn't on the agenda. This wasn't on his to-do list for the day. Suddenly a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, would you heal me and make me clean? Now, I don't know how much you know about leprosy. You know, more often than not, we would consider leprosy a thing of the past. There may be pockets of it somewhere in the world, but in their day and age, it was rampant. It was, it was a big enough deal that people knew about it. Leprosy was basically the skin disease where people would get these bumps that would turn into boils and underneath, underneath the surface of their skin, there'd be these pockets of pus that would eventually start leaking. I mean, it's really gross even to describe it, even to think about it, it would wreak havoc on their bodies. Their faces would change. Their vocal cords would thicken up. Physically, they looked different. Over time, what would begin to happen is all of that stuff going on the surface would begin to eat away at their flesh and they would literally become deteriorating from the outside in. I mean, it was just so, it, it was so bad. The, 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 the nerve endings would end up dying within them and they would end up losing uh, fingers. They'd end up losing limbs. I mean, it was a really big deal. And then in Jesus' day, not only was it this physical thing, but oftentimes in scripture, leprosy was used as a metaphor for, for sin in somebody's life. And so when Jesus was on this earth, there was sort of this, this mix up between the physical and the spiritual. So when anybody had, had leprosy, most people judged them. Most people are like, what did you do to tick off God? Most people are like, man, you, you're, you shouldn't be around us. And so what would end up happening for lepers 
is they were eradicated from the community, they were disconnected, they they were sent off to live with other lepers in a leper colony, and basically they spent the rest of their lives waiting for one thing, waiting to die. So when we read this verse, we don't just read about a guy interrupting Jesus. We meet somebody that's disconnected, somebody that's far off, somebody that feels like there's no hope left, all I'm going to do is die. And so whenever a leper would come into the community, they were required to shout out to all who could hear them, unclean, 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 as a warning, I'm coming, I'm coming, as a warning, stay away, stay away, stay away. They'd have to cover their their mouths. And so, man, this guy physically is disconnected. This guy spiritually is told, you're an outcast, you've sinned against God. All of the social norms are out the window for this guy. And he shows up and he has this one question, Jesus, if you are willing, would you heal me and would you make me clean? And it says in verse three that Jesus reached out and he what? He touched him. Now don't miss the magnitude of that moment. Don't miss what a big deal that is. Did Jesus have to touch him to heal him? No. He could have spoken it. He could have said, you're healed, now go and be, send no more or be clean or whatever he wanted to say. But instead, this guy asks the question, if you are willing, and Jesus doesn't just say, I'm willing, he reaches out and touches him and says, I am willing, be healed. And instantly that leprosy disappeared. So I asked the question, well, why did Jesus touch him? If Jesus didn't have to, why did he touch him? If Jesus didn't have to, why did he reach out to somebody that the world says is unclean? And here's one idea is perhaps the leper didn't just need healing from his disease, but he needed love for his rejection. He needed somebody to show up in his life and not just say in his head or in his heart that I see you, I get you, but to say with his whole body, I'm here for you. That's huge. This is a huge gift, the gift of touch, to be fully present with people. Terry Mish was telling me a couple of weeks ago about a ministry that he's a part of in downtown Atlanta. And, and I saw a video clip that, that talked about ministering to the homeless and they're ministering to the homeless through a, a, sh- a mobile shower unit, through uh, clothing that they can get. Different doctors would show up, different hairstylists would show up and there's all these different things going on. But one of the things that was clear to me over and over and over again in the video was it wasn't just here's what we're gonna do for you. It's we see you, we know you, we love you and there's embraces, there's there's something about the gift of touch. Are y'all tracking with me? This isn't deep, this is super practical though. I mean, I'm so grateful for our welcome home team. Our welcome home team does an unbelievable job to make sure everybody feels welcome here. About the only way that you don't feel welcome is if you don't wanna be welcome. Right? How many extroverts do we have here this morning? Show of hands, how many extroverts? How many introverts do we have? Show of hands, introverts. There's more of us, but we don't like raising our hands in moments like this. We don't like Zach's extended welcome time, shaking hands, right? But I'm convinced about the only way that you can be unwelcomed here is if you don't want to be. And I know even this last week or maybe it was two weeks ago, I heard somebody say that because Kenneth Wells is at the front door out here on that front parking lot, there are people that make sure they park in that section of the parking lot and they want to be seen by Kenneth. They wanna hear his Southern draw say, how y'all doing, right? Can I hear an amen on that? Yeah, I mean, Kenneth is awesome. That big handshake, that kind spirit from all of our team, to be honest with you. And here's what I realize that maybe doesn't dawn on us every day. There are some people 
that will not get touched throughout the rest of the week except when they have the handshake, the warm hug here at church. You could give a gift this season. You could give the gift of touch. I was thinking about Care for AIDS even, even as I was writing this message. We partner, because of your generosity, we partner with the Nylinda Baptist Church in the west side of Kenya in Kisumu. Every year, because of your generosity, there are 90 families that get to live beyond AIDS in their culture. Here, we don't think about AIDS nearly as much. In their culture, if you have HIV or AIDS, you're a modern day leper. You really are. They whisper their prognosis. They whisper their status because if somebody finds out that they have AIDS, they are a modern day leper where nobody wants to be around them. Nobody wants to provide community. They, they end up dying alone. But because of your generosity, we've helped over 700 families have their parents not live two years and die alone, but now live up to 25, 30 years, able to raise their kids, rescuing their kids, preventing their kids be, from becoming orphans because of your generosity generosity, they have somebody that reaches out and touches them. So that's, that's number one. That's awesome. It's awesome. So, no, so the first example is the gift of touch. The second example is to give by listening, to give by listening. Most people don't listen with the intent to understand. They listen with the intent to reply. Haven't you ever seen that before? Have you ever been in a conversation where you're trying to get some point across, you're trying to connect with this person and you can just tell it's the look in their eyes, it's the, the quivering lips that they have. That they're just waiting for you to pause long enough for them just to shoot back whatever. They, have you been there before or is that just me? This is not a marriage talk either. It's about anyway, right? That was not a joke about my wife. She's awesome. I need to clarify. Did we record this? Can we? That could be misinterpreted. <laughs> but sometimes the thing that gets us in trouble is we don't actually listen. Listen to what happens in Luke 24. This is another great example. There's so many examples of this, but in Luke 24, uh, Jesus comes across two guys that are on their way back to the village of Emmaus. And you may already know the story. If not, it's fascinating. Uh, Jesus has died on the cross. He's been placed in the tomb. These guys feel like their hope is gone. So when we read about them in Luke 24, their, their hopes are gone, they're downcast, they're depressed, they feel like they put their faith in Jesus and now it's over. And so when they're walking back to the village, this isn't a happy talk, they're, they're fretting, they're, they're feeling the weight of this moment and Jesus shows up and they don't know who he is at first. I think in some ways God caused them not to recognize him. In other ways, maybe their grief got the better of them. But as they're walking, Jesus shows up and he says to them in Luke 24, verse 17, he says, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? He's like, what are you talking about? What's the deal? Why, why are you so engaged in this conversation? And it says, and they stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only one in Jerusalem who hasn't heard all the things that have happened there the last few days. In other words, where have you been? Haven't you heard? Jesus, who we thought was the Messiah, died on the cross. Jesus was placed in the tomb. Jesus, this one that we put our hope in, is now dead. And they haven't heard yet that he rose from the dead. They, haven't, they don't know that the stone was rolled away. They don't know in the moment they're downcast, they're distressed, they're, they're depressed. They're like, what's the deal? And so Jesus says, what are you discussing so intently? And they're like, you must be the only person that doesn't know. Didn't you see it on the headlines? 
<laughs> weren't, weren't you on Facebook this morning? Didn't, didn't you see, don't you know? And here's what Jesus responds with in verse 19. He says, what things? What things? Did he need them to tell him the answer? It reminds me of Adam and Eve in the garden. All the way back in Genesis 3 when Adam and Eve blew it. I mean, they totally blew it. They broke the heart of God. They willingly sinned. They walked into a mess their own way. And when God shows up, they hear him and they're afraid of him. And they begin to hide from him. And when God shows up and, and he says, where are you? Where are you? I've been looking for you. And Adam responds back. We were hiding. We were afraid of you because we were naked and we're ashamed. And what does God do? Did God need them to tell them all that information? Does God beat them up about it? Instead, he asked them a question. He said, who told you that? When you think about this practical point, what's the gift that we could give somebody? The gift of touch, but the gift of listening. And one of the best ways I know to work on the gift of listening is to simply ask more questions and demean them to come from a place of curiosity that we'd be curious about our spouses, we'd be curious about our families, we'd be curious about the lives of other people, that instead of having a conversation that, where we're trying to impress somebody, that we would have a kind of conversation where we want to get to know that person, that we would try to find out more about them, that instead of trying to be interesting to them, that we would become interested in them. Do you see the difference? Instead of us focusing on, I hope I do well in this conversation, to say, man, I wanna learn something from them, and the best way I know how to do that is to simply ask more questions. In my ministry, one of the things I have the privilege of doing is sitting with folks when they're going, when they're navigating craziness in life. And I tell everybody, man, don't, don't be shy about it. Don't be nervous about it. We all have stuff and all of our families have stuff and you know, it's just normal. And whenever I would first meet with people, I thought I needed to have all the answers. In fact, a few weeks ago, one of my buddies uh, called me up and said, hey, can we have coffee? I'm navigating some stuff. And early on when those things would pop up, I would go into mode of, do I have something to share with them? Do I have some truth? Have I walked that road yet? Have I walked that road yet? And I would show up hoping that I had a couple of bullet points that I could give them. But now what I found is I don't need to have answers. What I found is that oftentimes questions really are the answer. So this person I hung out with a couple weeks ago, they're navigating stuff. And so instead of trying to jump in and, and, and impress them about how much, I just start digging. I just start asking questions. Hey, tell me more about that. Tell me more about that. What would that mean? What would that mean? And just asking more questions. And so we wrapped up the coffee. I went home and later that night, I got a text from my friend and said, hey, thank you for the time today. That was a great conversation. And I started thinking about what did I actually tell them? I asked questions. I asked questions. There's something about giving the gift of listening. And what's interesting, if you check out the slide, these six little letters, E-I-L-N-S-T, some of you Will of Fortune people already have it figured out. Those are the letters that spell listen, but they're also the same letters that spell the word silent. <laughs> And some of you as kids heard the teacher say, you've got two ears, but only one mouth for a reason. How many of y'all heard that? Any talkers in the house? Sometimes we need to learn just to be quiet and to listen. So again, these are simple, but practical. Number one, the gift of touch. Number two, the gift of listening. And I would encourage you to ask more questions. You're like, man, but it's gonna be crazy at home. I get it, to ask more questions. 
hey, we're gonna be cooped up in a house over the next, next couple of weeks and there's all these, I get it. What, in your mind, just say, you know what, I'm here to give, not to get. I'm here, to, I'm not, I would love for my emotional needs to be met, but man, I'm gonna give, 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 give. If you have to act like it's a sitcom in your mind so that when something quirky happens, you just like, man, that's part of the script, right? And just give, 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 give through touch, give through listening. And the third one is to give through your time. Give through your time. And honestly, this is one of the hardest ones for any of us to do because everybody I talk to these days are busy. They're hurried, they're rushed. There's just not a lot of time. You're looking at your watch, man, we got this place to go. We've got this thing to do. We've got this thing, this party, this, this deal, this sports thing, this, and there's just all this lack of time. But one of the greatest gifts that we could give is time. When you look at the example of Jesus, Jesus was always going somewhere, but he was never hurried. Jesus was always busy, but he was never rushed. Does this make sense? Jesus had the most important mission on the planet. He said, I've come to seek and to save that which is lost. That trumps anything on my to-do list. Are y'all tracking with me? He had the most important agenda item known to man. And yet when you looked at him on this earth, he was never too busy for people. Let me give you a couple of examples. There's no way you could look all these up. You may wanna just jot them down. But the, the first example of giving of your time is that when Jesus was speaking to a crowd in Luke chapter five. In Luke five, this is one of our favorite passages around here. Pastor Chuck has an amazing teaching on this. But in Luke five, starting in verse 17, it says, one day while Jesus was teaching, some Pharisees and teachers of the religious law were sitting nearby. Verse 18, some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat and they tried to take him inside to Jesus. So here's Jesus teaching a crowd. There's people with a friend that needs to be near Jesus, but they can't get to him. And so they don't give up. They don't say, hey, we're gonna come back another time. Instead, here's what it says, verse 19. They couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So they went up to the roof. They took off some of the tiles. Now that's just a, a happy little translation to say they dug through the ceiling. Does that sound crazy to anybody else? This is like an episode of Live PD happening right here. And they're, they're, they're trying to get through the roof. And here's what it says in verse 19. So they took off some tiles, then they lowered the sick man on his mat into the crowd right in front of Jesus. Jesus doesn't go off. Jesus doesn't lose his temper. He doesn't look back at the ceiling and the hole in the roof and be like, now who's gonna pay for that? There's no insurance yet. Who's on the building committee here? We need to vote on that. Instead, it says, Jesus saw the man and said, young man, your sins are forgiven. He was never too busy, even when he was in a crowd. Even when he was in a crowd, he was still able to be present with people. Let me give you a second example. Even when Jesus was asleep, he still had time for people. I don't know about you guys, but if somebody interrupts my Sunday afternoon nap, it better be important. Are there any other Sunday afternoon nappers in here? When we finally get home and man, I want a Sunday afternoon nap and it drives me crazy. Like when I'm finally falling asleep, our little pup Ollie will come scratching on the sofa wanting either me to pick him up or wanting to eat his supper. Right when I'm about to fall asleep, I'm gonna be woken up. Waking me up in the middle of my nap is second to when I'm hangry. Did any of y'all get hangry? 
Well, for Jesus, Jesus isn't so preoccupied with a sleep that he gets angry. In Luke 8, 22, if you wanna write this one down, in Luke 8, 22, it says, one day Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they got into the boat and they started out. And as they sailed across, Jesus settled down for a nap. I don't know if it was a Sunday or not, but it's a good time for a nap. It said, but soon a fierce storm came along on the lake and so the boat was filling with water and they were in real danger. This is not some little storm. This isn't just a little rain thing. This isn't just a little lake. This is the Sea of Galilee. And so their boat's filling with water. Verse 24, so the disciples went down and woke him shouting, master, master, we're going to drown. And Jesus doesn't go off. Jesus doesn't get angry. He calms the storm for them. He's never too busy. Whether he's in a crowd, whether he's sleeping. Let me give you a third example. When he's on his way to perform a different miracle, In Luke chapter eight, uh, Jesus is already on his way to perform a miracle. And yet somebody that's not on the agenda, somebody that didn't pre-plan this, somebody that does not have a reservation, they didn't get on open table and say, hey, can I hang out with Jesus today? Somebody shows up in verse 43, it says, and a woman in the crowd who had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding and she could find no cure. She shows up, she touches the hem of his garment. Jesus doesn't get angry. Some of his disciples, honestly did, but Jesus had time for him, even though he was on his way somewhere else. Let me give you one more example. Another example is when he's praying. In Mark chapter one, Jesus is praying and he gets interrupted and yet he doesn't get angry, he has time for them. It says in Mark chapter one, verse 35, it says before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and he went out to an isolated place to pray. Later, Simon and the others went out to find him. When they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. Verse 38, but Jesus replied, we must go on to the other towns as well and I will preach to them also. This is why I came. So he traveled throughout the region of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. Jesus was never too busy to give of his time. This is a huge gift. Maybe the thing that the people in your life needs this season. It's not on Amazon Prime. It's not one of those ads that pops up when you're scrolling social media. Maybe the thing that they really, really need, it's not something, but they need someone. And maybe that someone is you that can show them the love of Jesus physically, can show them the love of Jesus emotionally by listening, can show them the love of Jesus by simply giving them time. And as I was thinking about this message, one of the things that's heavy on my heart is this week as I travel, I'm gonna go see my grandmother who's about to be 91. My dad passed away back in 2008 and um, my dad and grandmother had a, a, a difficult relationship most of my adult life. Most, most of what I can remember, there's always a bit of strain there. But the last eight or 10 years of my dad's life, he and my grandmother never talked. And like four months before my dad passed away was when he was first diagnosed with cancer and we never saw it come in. The treatments wreaked havoc on his body. And just four or five months after the diagnosis, he passed away. It was this week of 
2007, he passed in January 2008, this week of 2007 that he got to spend time at home for the last time. And I came home and I hung out. We did sort of an early Thanksgiving. And after I left, my mom decided to put my grandmother on the phone. And she put him on the phone with her. First time they had talked in years. And my mom said, my six foot four ginormous dad wept like a baby. There's a lot of regrets I have. I regret I didn't spend more time with him in those last days. I regret that he didn't get to retire a few years later like he had planned and for he and my mom to do all the things they'd been waiting for. I regret several things. But the one thing I regret for him and I regret for my grandmother because this is gonna come up. She's gonna bring it up when I see her on Wednesday as I regret the lost years that they experienced. And they lost the gift of time with one another. And so I stand here not as somebody that has all this figured out, but somebody that's seen enough life to know that the greatest gifts are rarely in a package. They're in a person. Maybe the greatest gift that you could do is give of yourself. And to risk the emotional baggage or whatever it is you bring to the table. To say as best as I can, I'm going to give myself like Jesus. Some of you may be like, well, what do you do when you're the one that feels all alone? I just want to remind you, you're not a mistake. You're not forgotten. I would leave you with this verse in Isaiah 41 verse 10 where God says, do not be afraid for I am with you. What do you do when you feel lonely? What do you do when you feel like you've been forgotten? Do not be afraid for I am with you. Do not be discouraged for I am your God. I will strengthen you and I will help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. You are loved. Would you bow your heads for a moment? If you don't mind, I'd love to pray for you. And man, as I pray today, I I just want to encourage you again. I know Pastor Chuck talked about it on the front end, but Pastor Neil and the team has such a great heart for those that have experienced loss and hurt and heartache throughout the holidays, especially. Man, I want to invite you to come tonight. This blue Christmas gathering at six is going to be just a time of ministering, a time of renewal and reflection. But as we pray today, I wonder, is there anybody today that would just say, Bobby, as you pray, pray for me. I want to be the kind of person that gives of myself unselfishly this season. I want to be the kind of person that gives through touch and through listening and through time. I want to be that kind of person. Bobby, would you pray for me that I would have that focus and that tenacity this season? If that's you and you'd allow me to pray for you, would you just slip your hands straight up, straight up? Yeah. Amen. Anybody else? That's your prayers. Man, I want to be intentional this season. I want to be intentional. Let me ask the second question. Is there anybody this morning that just say, hey, Bobby, would you pray for me? Because honestly, I'm one of those people that does feel alone. And I feel isolated and I feel, I could be in this room, but still feel like I'm all alone. If that's you and you'd allow me to pray for you, would you do the same thing? Just slip your hands straight up in the air, straight up in the air. Yeah, anybody else? Anybody else? 
what I wanna do is I wanna pray for us. And then after I finish praying, we're gonna stand and Pastor Zach and the team's gonna lead us. Maybe when we stand, you wanna sing these words, but maybe when we stand, you stay seated and you're like, man, I just need to pray this through. Or maybe, maybe it's, there's something that God's placed on your heart about a strained relationship or some difficult circumstance, or maybe it's just the loneliness that you feel. Maybe you just wanna bring that to the altar this morning and say, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave this before the one that says, I am your God and I will hold you with my victorious right hand. Whatever that is for you, I'm gonna ask you, man, would you allow God to minister to your heart in these moments? Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Lord, I pray for all of us that you'd help us to be intentional in giving of ourselves this season. God, would you help us to give through physical touch, through a listening ear, through generous amounts of time. And God, I pray for those that are lonely, those that feel far off and even forgotten. God, would you help them to sense your nearness even now? And Father, for those that are spiritually far away, I pray that you'd help them to come close to you this day, that they'd ask you to step into their heart and save them. God, help us to be the gift in somebody's life today. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Let's stand together. Pastor Zach and the team's gonna lead us. Before you head out, would you allow God to minister to you in these few moments? And then we'll pray for you before we head out. Let's sing this out together. I need thee every hour, most gracious. These lyrics are so true. Let's sing this out. tender voice like God. resonate with anybody? Anybody willing to say, I need him? Let's sing that out. today as we leave this place, I hope that you'll leave this place with a game plan, that you'll have a heart wide open to the people around you, whether it's people on your row, in your neighborhood, in your family, maybe some new friend that you meet this week, that you'd be open to say, man, I'm going to, as best as I can, give of myself, as best as I can, I'm going to show up, I'm going to be present. And Jesus had people come to him all the time. And when they left him, they didn't always trust him. When they left him, they, they, they weren't all converted. But when they left him, regardless if they put their faith in him or not, they left knowing that he's real and that he loved them. And that's my prayer for us today, that at the end of this year, we'd be able to look back and say, man, as best as I could, I showed up in the lives of people and I lived out the life of Christ. Because here's the truth, you cannot impact everybody, but I guarantee you, you can impact someone you can give them the gift 
of yourself. We love you guys. Hope you have a fantastic rest of your day and incredible Thanksgiving. And we'll see you soon. Love you guys. Saying who do?